You may take your Bibles. And go to Matthew, <clears throat> Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Matthew, chapter 25. If you're using that black Bible in the chair in front of you, it's page 22 towards the back. They renumber the New Testament, so find, going to the back, page 22. <clears throat> Matthew, chapter 25. Starting in verse 31, Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 31, I'll read verse 31 to verse 46, 31 to 46 of Matthew chapter 25. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his throne of glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he'll separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, the ones blessed of my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me. Naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you, naked, clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king answering will say to them, truly I say to you, insofar that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, the least you did to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, go from me, cursed ones and to the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or, or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not serve you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, in so far that you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. George Floyd, another name that will go down in U.S. history, sad and yet we as a church have spoken many times in the past about how God views these events from his word the illusion of race the hatred of racism that's in the word of God how the church is supposed to be multi-ethnic 
etc. Those things. Many times we've, we've talked about this. We've talked about how reconciliation does not happen this way first. It must happen this way. When it happens this way between us and God, then it can most effectively happen this way between human to human. And when we come to a passage like today, we're reminded once again about how God from His perfect, inerrant, sufficient word views these events. You might say, what do you mean? What does this passage have to do with racism? Everything. Because no matter where you stand in this whole situation, no matter where you're at, no matter the color of your skin, one thing is for sure, you will be judged by a God, by the only God, who shows no partiality, who's perfect in his justice and his righteousness. No matter where you stand, we will all be judged. Matthew's driving theme of his gospel is to bow down and worship Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, King of Israel. You know, and I was going to add that. Shoot, and I forgot. Messiah, Son of God, King of Israel, judge of the world. This is Matthew's driving theme of his gospel. And today, the last part of this long discourse that started in chapter 24 of Matthew's gospel we will see this, beware of the judgment to come. And then a positive element, be a compassionate steward. Beware of the judgment to come. Be a compassionate steward. Jesus will come to judge. Beware of that. And the way that you can express this, I'll put in a long statement as I normally like to do. Uh, Jesus calls us to be alert, ready, and prepared for his coming. And he warns us of the judgment to come by exhorting us as his disciples to faithful, compassionate stewardship to our brethren. He showed us compassion, right? He showed us mercy. He showed us grace by sending his son as our substitute who died on the cross in our place for our sins. What great compassion he's shown to us. So part of being alert, ready, and prepared for his coming as he exhorts us as his people, as his disciples, as his followers to faithful, compassionate stewardship to our brethren. Or another way to put it, compassionate stewardship is shown by helping our fellow believers in their time of need. We come to their aid. We help 
fellow Christians, followers of Christ in their time of need. As we'll bring up later on, we value the kingdom of God. And remember, in the context of what Jesus was talking about in Matthew's gospel, when he talks about the kingdom, he's, for us specifically, it's the local church. Compassionate stewardship is shown by helping our fellow believers in their time of need. We come to their aid. Why? The text gives us two reasons why. First, because we will be rewarded for our works, which display true faith in our King and the Father's election. We'll be rewarded for our works which displays, it display true faith, these works display true faith. And it also displays the Father's election of us. That's the first reason. Second reason, because serving our fellow slaves, we're all slaves, so serving our fellow slaves is really a service to Jesus himself. We are serving our fellow slaves This takes us back to chapter 24. Remember the good faithful slave versus the evil slave? We're all slaves. And so when we're serving our fellow slaves, we're really serving Jesus himself. And the reward that we receive is eternal life with our king. Here is the great final judgment. Jesus comes and judges all the nations everyone will be held accountable to the great king of Israel, to the judge of the universe. There's only one God and there's only one judge. His name is Jesus. All will be called to give an account. Now, uh, this may be, it is one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult passage to interpret in Matthew's gospel. It's true, it is. To what does this refer? At the outset, when you read it, you're thinking, is salvation based on our good works? It depends entirely on what Jesus meant by the phrase, my brothers, or the least of these. Uh, I think I read one commentary, there's like, what did it say, nine, 12, something like that, different interpretations there's like a plethora of interpretations on this. But there's actually three main views that people will land on. First view is salvation is based on our good works. That's one of the main, that's one of the main views. Second view, this is how the nations treated the Jews. Some strong dispensationalists take this view, view two. The third view that's the view that we're going to take, and, and if you want to take another view, you're more than welcome to be wrong. It's fine. I, I'm sorry, was that out loud? I'm just kidding. How the sheep took care of needy Christians. It's the third view. How the sheep, and, and, and it's coming from how Jesus described them, sheep, or you can even say sheep, sheep slash righteous. How the righteous 
took care of needy Christians, maybe missionaries, maybe being possibly more specific to that, but definitely generally taking care of needy Christians, our fellow brethren. Just a few we will take, just a few I take in this passage. Those who trust Christ, they have their faith tested by how they treated those within the faith community. Their faith is demonstrated by their good works. Works that help their needy brethren. True followers of Jesus care for their spiritual brethren, siblings. The goats are the fakers. This is like what Jesus started back in chapter 24 uh, in verse 45 with the faithful good servant and then the evil servant or evil slave. Jesus calls him later on in the end of chapter 24 that he will have his place with the hypocrites, remember? That's where it started that theme. The goats are the fakers whose lack of help, faithful works demonstrates they were not true followers of Jesus. Because, see, faith equals justification plus works. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. Our works are evidence of the grace of God at work in our lives. We started out here in chapter 24, verse 36. I, I express this to you. There's two groups that Jesus presents to us. Saved, lost. Prepared, unprepared. Responsible, faithful, wise, slave. Irresponsible, faithless, wicked, slave. The wise virgins. The moronic virgins. The good, faithful slaves. Five talents, two talents. And the wicked, lazy slave, one talent. And now, the sheep and the goats. He's just following suit how we started in chapter 24, verse 36. Hypocrisy with the evil slave. Hypocrisy with the five moronic virgins. Hypocrisy with the slave given one talent. And now, the truth is revealed. You, you, you won't be able to hide from Jesus. The real versus the fake. See, friends, being alert equals being faithful. Get on with the task your Lord has graciously entrusted to you. We're called to display faithful compassion in our lives and will be rewarded for displaying that service. Because displaying that will display, no pun intended, displaying that will display your true heart. These are solemn words spoken by Jesus. This is an intense passage. This is weighty. Even Aaron, when you're reading that passage in Revelation 20, that was weighty. So friends, take a hard look at yourself today. Your eternal destiny is at stake today. If you don't know Jesus, ah, friend, may you repent and trust him today. May you not leave today without 
turning from your sin and trusting Christ, even if you're there on the live stream, for you as well, you should trust Christ. You should come to Jesus. Heed the words of Jesus where he says here. Let's break this down. Let's walk through this passage and we'll start here first. Our judge and his judgment comes in verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes, Jesus' favorite designation of himself, Son of Man, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his throne of glory. He'll come in his glory, the angels with him, sit on his throne of glory. There's an emphasis here. He came first as a humble servant to die for sinners, but when he comes again, he's going to come in glory. His coming will be marked by majesty, splendor, great glory, and this is probably, slightly, the great white throne judgment of Revelation chapter 20, which Aaron read for us a few moments ago. Our judge and his judgment comes, and notice the second point to this. All identities are revealed, and there's really only two, but it's revealed. You can't hide from Jesus. Verse 32 into verse 33, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Everyone is gathered before Jesus. Jesus, the judge, will judge every human being because he has that right as the one who has resurrected from the dead. He'll judge all. Your skin color won't matter. White or black, he'll be judged. Are you ready to be judged by Jesus? Are you ready to face him? To see the king? And notice this first action. He separates the sheep from the goats. As a shepherd would separate sheep from goats, so Jesus would do the same. And notice verse 33, and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. The right is the place of honor. The left is the place of shame. Being cursed. And notice, he already knew those who belonged to him. He already knew those who were his sheep and those who did not belong to him. Those who were not his sheep, those who were his goats. Here you see already right in front of us the great doctrine of sovereign election. It's not the first time this idea is mentioned in Matthew's gospel. John the Baptist, chapter 3, verse 12, the wheat from the, sha- from the chaff. Uh, uh, chapter 13, Verse 30, verse 48, verse 49, separating the wheat from the tares. That's not the first time Jesus has mentioned this. And Jesus had just said that he would gather together his elect. In chapter 24, verse what, 31? The sheep are favored by Jesus. 
The goats did not receive his favor. Friends, remember, the reason why people believe the gospel is because they're chosen. He knew them like a shepherd knows his sheep. John chapter 10. Matthew chapter 7 verse 23. I never knew you. Chapter 24 verse 12. The bridegroom says to those five moronic virgins, I, 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 I don't know you. He knows his sheep. So sheep are Jesus' Disciples. His followers, those who trust him. And you'll see in the next points, the next piece of the passage, once again, the emphasis about the doctrine of election. So you have our judge and his judgment comes. All identities are revealed. There's only two. Three, walking us through this text, the father's sheep are rewarded. 34 to 40. Notice then the king, the son of man is the king, will say to those on his right, come, the ones blessed of my father. The father's sheep are rewarded and notice first of all, blessed of my father, they receive the blessing of the father. In other words, they belong to the father And the Father has shown them His amazing grace and service. They did not deserve this. They did not merit this. God showed His blessing. The Father showed His blessing to them. And notice what He says, the next part of verse 34, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Apa, before... So they're blessed of the Father. They belong to the Father. He's shown them His amazing grace and service. And because they've been blessed by the Father, they will inherit the kingdom which was prepared for them before the beginning of the world, before their existence. Unconditional election is glaring at us right now. One writer said this, quote, the basis of their salvation, hence also of these good deeds, is their having been chosen from eternity. We receive mercy. We're given God's grace. He shows us compassion in Christ. We did nothing to deserve it. So this election, this belonging to the Father, they've inherited the kingdom, prepared for them before, before they were even in existence. A question, how did God's election practically play itself out in their lives? Practically. In practical ways. How did they show they belonged to Jesus? Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, thirsty, drink, stranger, you invited me, naked, you clothed me, sick, you visited me. 
In prison you came to me. These six ministries. Jesus was all of these to them. And these sheep acted accordingly. So as, as to help, to serve. And notice that the, the, the sheep in verse 37, well, no, uh, the sheep, excuse me, the righteous, notice it's interchanged, the righteous, they're the sheep. Uh, the righteous will answer him, Lord, when we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty, give you drink, see stranger, invite you, naked, clothe you, see you sick or in prison and come to you. They were not surprised that they're entering the kingdom, mind you. They were surprised that their service to destitute brethren was really a service to Jesus himself. Wait, wait, when did we see you like this? And all these ways that they were showing love. We were doing this to you. Verse 40, and the king answering will say to them, truly I say to you, insofar as, another way to translate that, you did to one of these brothers of mine the least, you did to me. If they did these things for one of Jesus' little brother or sister, they were, in essence, helping, serving him. They're sheep because they were elected by the Father. And they showed they were sheep by how they treated their needy brethren. This is the basis of their reward. And that phrase, least of these, the least, or little ones, it's not the first time that Jesus used this phrase. Chapter 10, verse 42, give these little ones a cup of cold water in my name. Uh, Chapter 18, verse 6, these little ones who receive me, don't let them stumble. Chapter 18, verse 6, verse 10, verse 14. See, friends, these are true, humble disciples of Jesus who've received Jesus. Those who receive these little ones are really, in essence, receiving Jesus. It's so vital to understand the whole context of Matthew's gospel that we'll be able to accurately understand what Jesus means here when he says, least of these, these brothers of mine. As, as his people... As we go on mission, uh, even the Great Commission, we will face and experience hardships, difficulties, trials. So we'll need help from our fellow brethren to endure hard times. And those who receive the message of Jesus will come to our aid. So when these brethren help those in need, they're helping Jesus. See, we should have a special love for each other as the body of Christ. Once again, we see true believers highly value the kingdom of God. And remember, the context of kingdom, when Jesus mentions about the reference to the kingdom, he's talking about the church. Us gathered together as God's people. We value the kingdom. We value the local body. We value each other. We value the church because we are his body. 
We as Christians should be known as those who care for each other. How can we say we love God yet hate our fellow brother or sister in Christ? I don't need to make a statement about racism. Why? By this, all men will know that you're my disciples, John 13, as you love one another. We should be the very display of what racial reconciliation is all about. Because reconciliation must happen first with God. And when you're reconciled with God, then you can reconcile with anybody, especially a fellow believer, right? No, we believe that, right? That's what the Bible teaches. But be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. The gospel undergirds all of this. I mentioned this Wednesday, we should be the poster child of reconciliation. Of There's diverse ethnicities, but there's such unity in Christ. From every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, God has ransomed a people for himself. All oh, friends in the kingdom, there'll be all shades. There'll be all shades, and there'll be millions and millions of them all around you on that day. We should be the very example of this. To know we love Jesus when we value his kingdom. The goats are judged. Notice verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Go from me. Same words he expressed in chapter 7, verse 23 Depart from me. Cursed ones into the eternal fire. These goats are cursed and sent to the eternal fire because they did not do these six acts of mercy to Jesus or rather to Jesus' brothers or sisters. Their true colors are shown. As with the wicked lazy slave, with the one talent, as with the five moronic virgins, earlier in chapter 25, as with the evil slave, towards the end of chapter 24, so here, their true colors are revealed. And notice what Jesus says here about the eternal fire. Which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Try and make sense of that. Because what Jesus is saying is the eternal fire was originally not made for humans but for the devil and his angels or his demons. So when did when he make it? When did he make hell? Like after the fall? Between Genesis chapter 2 and 3? I don't know. But there's a point here that needs to be made. 
the eternal fire was originally not made for humans. Kind of puts out of our minds the fact that God is some sadistic um, sadomasochist. The eternal habitation will be with the devil and his demonic realm. And notice what he says, verse 42. Uh, For I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. Thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. A stranger, you'd invite me. Naked, you'd not clothe me. Sick, in prison, you'd not visit me. See, they committed the sin of omission. They did not serve the brother or sister in Christ when they were in their time of need. They showed by the way they lived, they rejected Jesus and his message. Their hypocrisy was revealed. You can't hide from Jesus. That's daunting, isn't it? At least it should be. It should be weighty on us in a good way. We We can't hide from the king. He knows all. They had no consciousness of having failed to serve Jesus. Verse 44, then they themselves also answer, say, Lord, interesting how they call them Lord. When did we see you hungry or hurt or thirsty or a stranger or naked, sick, or in prison? And did not, numeric sentences, take care of you, literally, it serve you. That's why I've been using that word, that verb, serving, service, the noun form. That's what that means. Where actually we get the word diakonos, where you get the word deacon. When do, when do we not see all these things that did not deacon you, serve you? Did no consciousness of having failed to serve Jesus. Yet, if they were beating their fellow slaves and partying, Remember chapter 24, verse 49? Remember that? The evil slave says, Ah, my master, he's taking a long time to come. So he starts beating his fellow slaves and partying all the time. Then their lives drastically showed how they failed to serve Jesus. It's hypocrisy. See, friends, that's why this is a warning where are you at with Jesus? Where are you at with the king? You answer them, saying, truly I say to you, insofar as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do to me. You didn't serve me. You didn't serve my people. You didn't serve my sheep. You didn't serve those who follow me. You didn't serve my disciples. So so you weren't serving me. In verse 46, the final destiny. And these will go away into eternal punishment. Notice the inversion. First is the punishment. And then the reward. Those on the left go to the eternal punishment. Friends, eternal damnation is real. It is true. It is biblical. Jesus himself said it. Either you take Jesus' words for it 
or you think he's an idiot and he's a liar. There's no in between. Are you one of his own? You need to be sure you know Jesus or rather that he knows you. But the righteous, Jesus says, notice he's the phrase righteous, who are the sheep, into eternal life. One group is not annihilated while the other group lives forever. No, both live forever. Some in forever torment separated from God. And yet the righteous, they'll be to forever bliss with their king in unspeakable joy in the presence of God. Unspeakable joy. Joy that continues and grows more and more and more. Oh, what a glorious day that will be. Take a hard look at yourself today. These are solemn words spoken by Jesus. Your eternal destiny is at stake. Come to Jesus today. Don't wait. Don't wait. Here, Jesus, he's the king, right? The judge of the whole world, right? And you know what the irony is in this whole thing? You'll see it happen next week. This is his last main discourse. And then this king, this judge, will allow himself to be delivered up, to be crucified on our behalf for his sheep, who will take eternal life, excuse me, eternal hell for you, so that you can have eternal life. He will take the brunt of the wrath of God upon himself. He will take eternal punishment for his sheep so that way we can be rewarded with eternal life. Isn't that such irony? Jesus calls us to be alert prepared for his coming and he warns us of the judgment to come by exhorting us as his disciples to faithful compassionate stewardship to our brethren he has shown us his compassion he has shown us uh, such great compassion may we show that same compassion to each other That, that we value God we value his kingdom Is this not what this world needs? They need that. They're so lost and they're so fallen and they're so backwards. They have no idea. Compassionate stewardship is shown by helping our fellow believers in their time of need, we come to their aid. Why do we do this? The text told us the two reasons. Because we're rewarded for our works, which display true faith in our king, and the Father's election of us. 
and because serving our fellow slaves is really a service to Jesus himself. We're serving our king. Beware of the judgment to come. It would be a people who are compassionate stewards. Would you pray with me? And Father, thank you that we fall so short of that and we know. Which is why, Jesus, you had to die because we fall short. That's very clear. So we thank you. We turn from sin. We repent of the times where we're not loving each other, we're not caring for each other, we're not showing compassion to each other. We pray that we as your church, as your kingdom, a small part of your kingdom here, in all different parts throughout this whole world, there's all the little parts of your kingdom everywhere throughout the whole world. But for us here, a small little portion of your kingdom, may we display that. Work in us as we're so raptured by your grace and your compassion toward us. Help me. Help us to show that same compassion to each other. Let your gospel flow out of us in word and in deed. And we pray that you, Spirit, would work in us, empower us to do that, to display these works that we have true faith in our King. In Jesus' name, amen. sing a couple more songs together and then I'll make a, a, an announcement. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs>